this is Haley Nauman, and you're listening to the Maybe Baby Podcast. Excited to have two guests today. This episode is all about couples therapy. I have a couples therapist. I have a couples therapy patient, also known as Megan Nesmith, my friend and writer who I once worked on a story about couples therapy with. So I was excited to get everybody's perspective on this topic, which I chose not randomly, but because I just finished season two of Couples Therapy, which is the show on Showtime. If you're not familiar, this is... um, you basically get to like watch in on couples go through therapy over the course of several months and it's with like a genius therapist named Orna. You get to see Orna also go to therapy to talk about like her experience being the therapist of the couples. It's really fascinating. It's funny because Avi and I started watching the show together but we felt like weirdly tense watching it so I ended up finishing it by myself and like sobbing at the end and being actually really sad that he hadn't watched it all the way through with me which felt like some sort of metaphor for like couples therapy in general. So anyway, I was really excited to just like dig into this topic. I've never been to couples therapy myself, but I think it's really fascinating. I obviously love just thinking about interpersonal relationships and how complicated they are, even when they seem like they should be simple. And so I'm super compelled by the practice and I wanted to hear more about it from all sides. So if you haven't seen the show, it's totally fine. This episode is not that much about the show. We mentioned it a little bit, but we don't talk about the specific people or anything, more just like the concept. In fact, most of the talk about the show is like out of the way pretty quick in the beginning, so stick with it if you're confused about that part. Um, so first up is um, a woman named Kiara. She's a sex couples therapist in Vancouver. I'm going to talk to her about her experience watching the show and her experience as a couples therapist. And then second, I'm bringing on, like I said, Megan Nesmith, who goes to couples therapy herself and has written about loving it. So I wanted to check in with her. It's been like years now that she's been in couples therapy. So I thought it'd be fun to like look back and get the whole arc of what that's been like for her. Um, okay, so let's get started. This is Kiara. Wait, you're in, you're on the West Coast, right? Yeah, I'm in Vancouver. Vancouver, oh yeah. right. I remember when you were like, mm-hmm. I don't know if it matters that I'm from Canada. And I was like, doesn't it all? <laughs> <laughs> You know what, maybe even better where like healthcare actually functions and like maybe people have better access to couples therapy. A little bit. It's still it's still an access problem here too, but uh, we're still working on making like clinical counseling or mental health in general part of the um, part of extended health in, in Canada because at the moment it's still not quite there. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm sure it's a, a, a leaps and bounds above the trash heap we have working <laughs> down here below you. Um, okay, well, thank you so much for coming on. I'm like, really, I just was super intrigued to get a professional's perspective on the show. Did you get a lot of response or? Yeah, I had, um, I had a lot of people reach out, but actually surprising a lot of people said that they didn't watch the show who were couples therapists because they, it feels like work to them, (laughs) which I totally get. I've heard that from a lot of folks. Yeah. Did you feel like that when you watched? Um, a little bit. I actually often made it part of my like lunch break. Um, so it was, it was still kind of during the work day. Um, I I don't, so it had a bit of a different feel to me. It didn't feel like work to me. I think I was just really inspired by, by her. And so, um, I think I'm also like a younger therapist. And so I think it was really exciting. You don't get a lot of opportunity to see kind of folks who've been doing it for a long time who really feel comfortable in it. Um, and so that was kind of inspiring um, as well, for sure. Yeah, totally. How long have you been doing therapy? Uh, about eight years now. Okay. Um, so I don't feel like I qualify as a baby therapist anymore, but I think we, <laughs> especially in the world of therapy, we always feel like we're always learning as practitioners. Like there's always a sense that there's there's more to take in and more to more to learn about. Um, it's just kind of part of the culture of, of the work we do. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, I think it sounds, it would be so interesting to me to like watch a writer who is more experienced than me, like go through their process on screen. I would be super intrigued. Totally. And that was what was, I think one of the, the cooler parts of the show is, is watching her with her own supervisor. Yes. Like that is something that's even less um, transparent about our profession, kind of less clear 
Um, and so seeing her with her own struggles and seeing her supervisor kind of challenge her in, in her work was was really, really fascinating. Um, and, and I thought almost like a public service um, just to kind of let folks in on this idea that your therapist is is a human being with with flaws and and learning um, as well. Right, and that doesn't like undercut like the fallibility of the therapist doesn't undercut their ability to help you. Like it's not they're not perfect. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you do a lot of therapists have therapists themselves, or is it is it? Yes. Okay, you're nodding. <laughs> yes. So do you yeah. talk about being a therapist? Do you have a therapist? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it feels like very meta moments um, when you're when you're with your therapist because you you're also functioning on two levels a lot of the time where you're kind of doing your own work, but you every now and then you're like, oh, that was cool. Like, <laughs> uh, nice move there. I might I might test. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but I, I think most therapists would say that it feels like um, an ethical responsibility to um, to maybe not be in therapy all the time, but to often check in with your own therapist to kind of make sure that you're doing doing your own work so that it doesn't necessarily show up in in your counseling sessions or in, in your therapy sessions yeah how do you feel about just the ethics of the show in general like I get a sense watching it that it feels really intimate and I don't I don't have a sense that the people speaking have a huge awareness of the camera especially given like how yeah. emotional people get and vulnerable but obviously the presence of the cameras will have some effect. I'm just curious how you feel about that. I mean, I have to be honest, I have a lot of questions about it as well. I, I am really curious about what the like ethics procedure was behind behind it, um, kind of what the arrangement was. Because, yeah, I I would find it hard to kind of fully show up as a, as a, as a client or a patient um, knowing that the, that the camera is there. Um, and and kind of knowing that in some on one in one you know someday in the future I'll be showing up on HBO um, and I think I guess I'll in our work we often ask clients if we can record sessions or video sessions it's often for our own work like we bring it to our own supervisors and kind of assess it mm. and so that is that is a really common thing that kind of already happens in the work that we do. Um, and, and, and most therapists will tell you that you very quickly kind of stop realizing that anything is, that there's any, that there's any recording going on in, in the space. So I can see how everybody would just kind of forget about it. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember reading about how they film it. Like apparently there's, do you know about this? No. <laughs> oh no. Okay. There's like, apparently there's, it's kind of like a circular room and there's like a panel of sort mm. of one way or two way mirror, I think. And so the cameras are outside of the room. So the people never, and they're kind of moving around. So the people never see the cameras, which I think helps. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that speaks to how they're able to get so many different angles. Like I'm, I I always wondered about that because they're able to kind of pull back and see everybody and then, and then zoom in on, on faces. That makes, oh, that's really cool. (laughs) I know. It's amazing. It's amazing. I like, I remember what, the first time I watched it, I thought it was, I thought it was fictional. Like I thought it was, do, do you remember that show In Treatment? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And they just rebooted it. <laughs> they yeah. did? Oh my God, I love that. I used to watch that when I was in the dorms and freshman in college and I was addicted to it. I was obsessed with it as well. Yes. Yeah. And again, they, they got him to see his own therapist too. He often, like that last session of every week was his own, his own work, which was, which was really cool. You're right. I wonder if yeah. they like modeled it off of that. But I remember when I first saw a couple therapy, I thought it was the same thing where it was actors. Hmm. And I thought, this is the best acting I've ever seen. <laughs> like it made me realize like the chasm between like a uh, written dialogue and like just dialogue and reality. Like it's really Absolutely. hard to capture how people really engage with each other in a script. Like, and of course, like on reality TV, that's, that's become its own sort of language that doesn't reflect reality at all. I feel like this is a yeah. rare show where I feel like this is really people like how they are in private. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. And, and you're right that like because in treatment was great, and it also it also didn't quite capture the way that like dialogue happens in session. Um, and I like and I you know one of my biggest pet peeves as a therapist is how few um, shows or anything really captures 
what therapy really looks like. Uh, every therapist in, in the media is bad. They're all terrible. Um, and it's actually really hard to find like a good example of what therapy looks like. Um, and in treatment got close, but like, I think this is why couples therapy is so amazing because it actually genuinely gives you a sense of what it feels like. Cause you can feel it. Like you, you like feel the tension you can feel um, the like really heightened emotions. You can feel her her way of just kind of like constantly pulling, like holding that whole space and 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 bringing the tension down a little bit. And and that's really hard to capture if you were just scripting it. Like she really does do a ser- a good service to um, to what the work actually looks like. It's funny because in the beginning of the season, and I want to talk to you about like couples in general, but. Sometimes I see the couples talking and I just think, oh my God, I would have no idea. Like I put myself in her shoes sort of. I'm like, I just have no idea what I would even do with this couple. Like they just seem so far gone. Like they're just completely not talking to each other. Um, And this is actually a feeling I get with Esther Perel Mm. in her podcast, Where Should We Begin? Which is another, like I think similar in that you like really feel like you're listening in. Um, Absolutely, yeah. She does a similar thing to Orna where I feel like, holy shit, how did they like get through that? I'm so I'm curious <laughs> for you. Do you ever have a moment where you're just like, oh my God, I don't even know where to start with this issue? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. That sounds so scary. <laughs> um, I think part of the reason you feel that way is because that's how the clients feel too, right? Like, yeah. They're, they're there in your office because this feels so big and so tangled and so confusing and there's no way to know how to deal with it. And so that's how it gets presented to you as well as, as an unsolvable problem. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like living in their reality initially. Yeah, exactly. That makes a lot of sense. Are you in a relationship? Yes, I am. Sorry, that's kind of a personal question. But I'm just curious, like, do you fight differently? Or, like, do you have to separate your kind of couples therapist self with, like, the role you play in the relationship? Or do you try to, like, bring them together? Is that, like... I'm imagining your partner being like, don't therapize me right now. Or like that, you know? Is that, is that a cliche? <laughs> or is that real? <laughs> Uh, I would, I would, I would say that was, that was definitely the truth in previous relationships. I think one of the reasons that my current relationship works is because I have a, a partner who can, um, who can meet me at my level. Um, and so in some ways we kind of therapize each other. Um, I, I have, I found it's only helpful. Um, you know, one of the, the one I kind of think about the most is one of the most common theories about couples. One of the most common ways that we interact with each other is called a pursue withdraw dynamic. I don't know if you've... No, please tell me. I'm so curious. I'll be really brief on this one. <laughs> Basically, the idea is that most most people, for lots of different reasons, tend to find themselves in relationships where one of them is the pursuer and one of them is the withdrawer. And so um, somebody will say something, you know, the pursuer will say something to the withdrawer and the withdrawer will feel that scary and will pull back a little bit. And when you withdraw, the other person comes forward more. They try to kind of engage more and that scares the withdrawer even more. And so you get into this dynamic of somebody feeling attacked and somebody feeling like their partners are drawing from them. And it's the most helpful dynamic to know about because the moment you kind of notice it, you can shift it. You can kind of say like, I see what's happening here. Um, and, um, as in my relationship, I'm a, I'm a pursuer, my partner's a withdrawer. And so just having that information means that we're able to kind of, um, there are shortcuts you can take, right? There are kind of shifts you can make just by naming those, those or noticing what's happening in, in moments of, of tension. What is the move? I do have to... <laughs> oh, sorry. What were you going to say? What is the move? <laughs> yeah. Like, what do you do when you're like, this dynamic is happening? I mean, easier said than done, right? Because both of you are kind of activated. Um, yeah. I mean, in the words, I, I think a lot about, you know, Orna kind of says this in therapy a few times. She says, you know, a lot of a lot of the goal of therapy is making the unconscious conscious. So just kind of noticing patterns that were otherwise not there. So simply by seeing the pattern between you, you can kind of take a step back and, and talk about how to deal with it rather than talking about the problem. Yeah. The kind of biggest thing is taking a beat, taking a break, you know, getting some fresh air, getting a drink, taking a breath, um, taking those five minutes to kind of calm down, 
think about what it is that's actually bothering you and then finding your way back to each other. That's like one of the simpler uh, solutions. That's smart. To that, to that dynamic that shows up. That's smart. So like going to bed mad. <laughs> Occasionally. As long as you agreed, as long as you agree that that's, I mean, some, some couples kind of have rules about that. I mean, it's either going to bed mad or going to bed like 10 minutes later because you took that break. Um, and can find each other again when you're both feeling calmer. Yeah. Yeah. Taking yeah. a break sounds smart. <laughs> what do you find challenging about couples therapy or being a couples therapist? Like, what's the challenging that maybe people might not guess? I think my short answer is it's it's two of them and one of you. Interesting. Yeah. Like, like it just, it just you know, in, in individual therapy, that there's just one dynamic happening between you and the person in front of you. Um, in couples therapy, there's a dynamic between you and the two people in front of you. There's a dynamic with you and and each of those individuals, and then there's something happening between them. So it's there's just a lot of different lines going on at the same time, and all of them are are things that you're you're trying to navigate. That sounds really complicated. <laughs> I think I I notice because I, I do both individual and couples therapy, and in couples therapy, I I am I have to be fully there. Like I have to be kind of fully showing up my whole presence is just in it because it it moves it moves quickly and there's a lot there's a lot happening that you kind of have to catch um and so you really just just have to be very present in it just to kind of notice what is all the different pieces that are happening yeah that makes sense so i'm curious like what you i'm sure business is booming after the pandemic (laughs) I have found like uh, my boyfriend and I, Avi, like we talk, we've talked a lot about how much our relationship has changed over the pandemic, like over the course of quarantine. So a lot of people's relationships have ended. A lot of people's relationships um, have just struggled in general. And I think there have been times where I feel like closer to Avi because of how much we've been through over the course of the last year. But there are some moments where you're like, wow, like our relationship feels like it's just so different than it was before. And that's not even a bad way, just in like a huge change way, which is sort of, it can give you vertigo at times where it just feels mm-hmm. we've moved into new areas. So I'm just curious as someone who's been helping people through this time, like, like what have your impressions been on like the biggest challenges couples have faced through this time? And like, obviously I would love to hear like themes that you're coming up with or advice that you've mm-hmm. leaned on a lot during this time. That's like a million questions I just asked you, but whatever's dro- whatever's catching you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I'll like yeah in my I'll, I'll in my own personal relationship I definitely feel a lot closer to my partner, and that is good and bad. Like he he feels very close <laughs> right now because he's kind of it right. Like he's kind of, <laughs> right. he's 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 my he's my everything right now, um, and so. In some ways, yeah, in some ways there is that sense of him kind of being the only option I have. Um, and, and, and that has, that has mostly worked for us. And, and I've seen how it's been a challenge for a lot of folks. A lot of folks really thrive in their relationships when they have, when they can go and come back, when they can kind of go out into the world and have this person to return to, as opposed to just have this person be their world. And so I I think that's a big part of, of some of the the struggles um, I've seen. I think one of the things, and this might just be me loving a silver lining, but I'm not always. I, I, this we've seen. I've seen a lot of struggles this year in, in couples, but I've also seen a lot of couples who have grown this year, who have really because they've had no choice but to like figure their shit out. <laughs> they're actually doing. They're actually doing a lot better. They're actually communicating better. They've actually figured out how to be with each other because they're sharing their 500 square foot apartment or whatever the case may be. Like they have had to figure it out this year because otherwise they were. It was not going to work. Um, and so we are booming. And some of it is because things are hard, but some of it is because couples are finally sitting down and saying, we know what's wrong. And we, we know we're, we're like motivated to make those changes right now. That's, that's interesting. <laughs> I like that angle. I think it's like what you said about conflict almost. It's like, I, def- I definitely think that Avi and I are the type who like going out in the world and coming back. I mean, we, of course, it's a combination. I think we love to go out in the world together, but I think our mm-hmm. independence has always been an important part of our relationship. And in some ways, like not having that has made us, has invited more conflict into the relationship. 
and forced us to have the conflict where we might have... Yeah, or not even noticed it. Yeah. And not, or not even noticed it, yeah. I mean, to, to that end, I think I've had a lot of people write into my advice column about like relationship struggles through the pandemic. And something I hear a lot is like, the fact that it's harder now, is that like a is that a sign that it's we're not right? Or is it a sign that, mm. of course, it's harder? This sounds like coded language about my relationship, but it's not. <laughs> I mean, at times, at times, but no, no for the most part, like... I just see this question come up again and again, so I'm curious what you would say to people who are, like, panicking about it. And I, I don't know if it is coded, but you're also speaking to, like, a universality that a lot of folks are encountering right now. Like, we're, we're all asking yeah. kind of very similar questions. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's funny how my, my, like, I want to give a super therapy answer of, like, there's something about you looking for a sign. Like, you know, what's, you know, if, 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 you're, if you're looking for that sign, then there's something going on there. That's interesting, yeah. But that's a very therapist answer, and I can I can pull back from that. <laughs> no, I think the time the thing you said earlier about like some couples do thrive on that space, and some don't need it. So this might be a particular challenge for certain types of couples, whereas maybe normal busy life is a challenge for other types of couples. Yeah. Different responses doesn't necessarily represent um, exactly the quality of the relationship as much as like the type of the relationship or something like that. Totally. And yeah. yeah, like, I mean, the fact that we have a pandemic and that it made your relationship hard is, of course, that's, of course, that's what's going to happen. A very few couples are just saying, yeah, we're fucking winning. This is, this is, it's never been better. <laughs> Um, like, like this, this is, this is challenging all of us. And it just depends whether it's challenging you to the extent where you're saying I can't keep going or it's, or it's challenging you, um, to make some changes. And I think that's where like the sign is really kind of what you interpret from it is, is the pandemic a sign to get out of Dodge or is the pandemic a sign to, to to turn into each other and and figure it out? Yes. That was still, that was still a therapist answer. (laughs) No, I want the therapist answer. I'm all for it. No, please. Like, therapize away. Okay, well, you're, so you focus on sex therapy, right, for couples? Yes. Okay, cool. So I I did want to ask you, I think, like, the, the show, it doesn't talk, it doesn't get too much into people's sexual relationships, but I feel like there is usually a moment with each couple where it like comes up. Yes. And almost always the question is the same. And I think this is like one of the most common tropes about couples, which is that one partner wants it more than the other. Yes, absolutely. Yes. I'm curious as someone who's working with lots of couples, um, what do you think is misunderstood about this trope? And Mm -hmm. if you could give like one piece of advice to couples who are going through that, like what might it be? And maybe that's a good place to kind of end because I'm yeah I know that I've taken almost 30 minutes of your time I am super happy to chat this is I don't get to do this very often we don't get to talk about our jobs very often in this world so it's it's, it's really fun um and that's one of the things I, I will say like it was it was really nice to see her comfort level Orna's comfort level with the topic of sex like um in in my world one of the things we're we're in the world of sex therapy, we really want all therapists to have more comfort really naming um, the the sexual aspects of a relationship because you know it, it is it is an essential part of a relationship. Whatever sex looks like for you in a in a, in a relationship, um, it should be explored in therapy. It should always be explored. Um, and yeah, the 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 piece you just named, like somebody already want, always wants more. Um, in in my world, um, we call that a desire discrepancy. Okay. Um, and the reason we we use that language is 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 really to be clear that that there isn't one person who's at fault and one like there's not one person who's broken and one person who's functioning. Um, there's a, a discrepancy between the needs of the two partners, um, and that's why you're showing up to therapy. And, you know, kind of one of the, the things we say all the time is, you know, if you were with a different partner, if you've got low desire in this relationship, you might have high desire in the next one. Like, the, the problem isn't necessarily your level of desire, it's in relation to your partner that it's becoming a problem. And the other thing, um, the other thing that is that is really important to communicate and this is this is sometimes hard to hear or hard to kind of take in is is that um what whatever this whatever is because normally couples will say well we used to be amazing like we used it just used to be easy we used to just like 
jump into bed all the time and just had great time. And then, and then we don't know what happened. Like something shifted. Um, and often the story will be, and, you know, and she didn't want to have sex anymore, or she just suddenly started saying no all the time, or it'll be like, oh, like she just is constantly nagging me for more. And I just like, it's, it's ridiculous. She's addicted. It's like, that's, that's kind of one of the two stories you hear. Um, and one of the things we, we feel is really important to communicate is most often something has happened between the two of you that this dynamic is happening. It's not that one of you changed your minds. It's that Mm. something has happened that shifted your, both of your relationships to sex. Um, something happened along the way that meant that one of you was communicating differently about sex and the other one responded differently about sex. And so we, the main kind of goal of sex therapy is really to, to get both partners to see their role in it, to see their, see their part in this dynamic that is showing up between them. And avoiding blame. Yeah, like almost always you come in and one person is broken and one person is the hero for like struggling through with without sex or struggling through with too much sex. Um, and we really want to break that down a little bit and say like there's more going on here. Right, right, right. Yeah. It's funny because I feel like in couples therapy, the TV show, it's like you can tell that everybody comes in like kind of thinking that they're right. <laughs> and that like they're just going to convince the therapist to be on their side <laughs> and it's like almost yeah. always they have to backtrack yeah exactly we just we yeah it feels good to be to be the one who's who's not who's not broken anyway who's who's just gonna observe I'm just here to kind of support my partner in finding their way to enlightenment and, and very quickly you find that that isn't that isn't quite the case yeah okay my last last question is like who would you suggest look into couples therapy? Like, assuming somebody's like in the in the financial position, um, mm. so I know some people say like every couple, like any anyone could benefit, or like I, I'm just curious um, if you have a suggestion. Like, if there are people listening who are curious about it, mm. who do you think is is a good candidate for looking into it? I mean, you're right. The the tag the like typical line is everyone would benefit from therapy. Um, For sure. And if I if I can give a more nuanced response, I think um, one of the things I feel like I see a lot is that is is conflict just becoming the norm in a relationship. Mm-hmm. Kind of conflict is just kind of part of your day to day now, um, and it's almost hard to notice that it's there because it's just kind of in the framework of your day. I think that's a really good moment to sit down and say, you know, this could get some attention. And I guess the, the other side of that is, is, is if you're noticing there's a lot of things you're not saying. If you're noticing that there's a lot of things that you're not um, letting your partner in on, kind of not sharing, and it's kind of building up, um, that's, that's another really good moment to look into whether um, counseling might be helpful. Those things kind of tend to build up over time and then reach kind of an explosion point. Right. What about super new couples? Like, is there a, is there a time like too early? Like what if somebody's together for like six months? Is that, is that too early? <laughs> I, I mean, I, I don't think there's, again, there's no wrong time and some, you know, it's kind of like, what is it? Like premarital counseling. Like there's a benefit to looking at things before it gets really challenging, before patterns get really entrenched. You know, I talked about that pursue withdraw thing, like that starts almost immediately in most relationships. And so there's something really important about, about identifying it early so you can, it doesn't get so deeply entrenched. Um, I don't, I don't think there's any harm. I think, um, part of me wants to say, if you're noticing challenges and think you need to see a couples therapist at six months, this might be an unpopular opinion, but maybe this isn't the right person for you. Like if you're working that hard, (laughs) that's what I was wondering. If you're working that hard at six months or whatever it might be, it's worth exploring why you're staying in the first place. Yep. But I'm always curious, like if there's a time where that might be appropriate, maybe if someone has a really complicated relationship, like I think if, um, if they're going through any like traumas or crises that like complicate what might otherwise be a simple, like a good relationship, I can see that being totally good. Yeah. But, or I think, I think about the couple in the second season, I'm blanking on their names, but the, the ones where she got pregnant, like what, two months into dating or something like yeah, that? Yeah, right, right, right. That'd yeah. be a great time to go see a therapist. That'd be a <laughs> solid time to book in. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. 
It does seem smart for all couples. Um, I have a friend who like had to go through some like counseling before marriage because of like where they were getting married or like the the church or something like that, even though Mm -hmm. she's not religious. And she like surprisingly loved it. I think that most people would probably love it, just like having an outside perspective. I've definitely heard that, yeah. And premarital counseling is cool too, and that often folks who do it, they actually do like they do like twelve sessions that are themed, um, and so like each week is a different topic, and so it kind of forces you to talk about things that you haven't talked about yet in your relationship, like finances or sex, or when you want to have babies or if you want to have babies, um, and it's a really so I've actually heard really good things, um, and it's, it's a really helpful process. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Therapy, or couples therapy for all. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> the new addendum. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for um, making my message, putting it on a higher platform here. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> my pleasure. Um, well, thank you so much. This is fascinating and interesting. I'm so honored you came on and talked to me. My pleasure. I'm really happy to. This was fun. <laughs> It's really fun. I'm like, I love the show and I hope other people watch it if they haven't. If there's any couples in Vancouver listening who would like to see Kira, then, you know, maybe get in touch with me and I can put you guys in touch. Lovely. <laughs> love it. Um, okay. Well, thank you so much for your time. Of course. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thank you for coming. Okay. And now we're going to move on to my conversation with Megan Nesmith, who is a patient of couples therapy herself and also... This is not planned. Canadian. <laughs> oh my God. The last time that we talked, you did not have a kid. I did not. I know. And now I do. How old is Mira now? Mira is 17 months. Okay. Oh my gosh. She's so cute. She really is. Thank God. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's so much easier to look at her and be like, Oh, you're really annoying, but you're so adorable. <laughs> but do you think that you would think that she was... Would you be aware if she wasn't cute? I don't know. I thought we would. I thought we'd be objective, but we thought she was cute right away. And now we look back at old baby pictures and we're like, oh, that kid was messed up. <laughs> but we thought she was amazing looking. So yeah. uh, that's that's really the true test. We used to... My sister claims that she knew her, they looked weird in the beginning. <laughs> I was like, well... But no, but but they're I think like especially once, well they were premature so they were super tiny, but then once yeah. they became like more real babyish, I think we thought they were like the most perfect babies. And looking back, we're like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> they're real cute now though. Yeah. Oh, the Your, yeah the twins. Yeah. 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 It is impossible. Maybe it's just like all kids are cute. You know what I mean? Maybe. Most kids. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> that, was a, that was a hearty maybe. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, hello. Hello. It's so nice to see you. I know we already said that, but I just want it on the record. It's really nice to see you, too. And I'm really happy you're doing this, that you're doing Maybe Baby, that I get to oh. like, read your writing. Oh, and couple therapy, yeah, but that I get like your writing mainlined on a daily, near daily basis. It's a very, very comforting <laughs> That's so nice to say, although I'm very nervous because my, my newsletter this week, like, really sucks. No, why? <laughs> I I just, th- I had, like, this one topic idea. I think, like, the three-day weekend really messed me up because yeah, I sort of, like, took it like everyone else, like my friends. And then having to try to, like, rush a thoughtful essay about something that I hadn't, like, done enough research and reading about before. I just felt like I was really struggling to get there, and I was trying to force it. And, it was, you know, it's, like, one of those things where if I was at working at a website and I was writing it, I would have been, like, we got to kill this. Like, I can find a replacement story. Like, you know, like, yeah. that, that feeling of being, <laughs> yeah. like, I'm not sure if we ever did this with you at Mandarpeller, but where you're, like, you think it's going to work, and you try so hard, and you're just, like, we yeah. got to cut this. And you feel so much relief when you're like, let's just cut it. (laughs) Yeah. But I can't do that on my newsletter. So I'm like... That's so hard. Well, I'm putting this one out and I'm like, hopefully everybody who hates it isn't like, fuck this girl, I'm unsubscribing. What's ironic is the newsletter's about guilt and I was like feeling so guilty the whole time that it like wasn't good enough. (laughs) I was like, God, this is so meta and annoying. (laughs) Okay, let's talk about couples therapy. Okay. So I brought you on, first of all, because 
well, I finished watching the new season of Couples Therapy and I loved it. I'm really intrigued about couples therapy in general, and I remembered that we worked on a story together. Yeah. Um, where you were talking about how much you loved couples therapy and how you thought, correct me if I'm wrong, that like every couple could benefit from going. Yes. So I thought of you right away, and I really wanted to like dig into like your whole relationship with couples therapy and also like ask about how it's changed. Cause I know you've been in it for a few years now, you've like had a baby, so I'm sure like yeah. the content of the conversations has changed a lot. So I think that that's kind of interesting as well. Mm-hmm. So maybe we can start with when and why you first started couples therapy. Sure. Um, so we started couples therapy, myself and my now husband. Actually, we were married at the time. We'd gotten legally married, um, although we hadn't yet had a wedding. Um, this was about three years ago now, almost four years maybe. Um, and we had just, our relationship had gone kind of quickly. We moved in together after six months and got engaged quickly thereafter and then got legally married not too long after that. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. Things happened fairly quickly. Um, I think, you know, we were both older. How old were you when you met? I was, oh God, how old am I now? 36? No, 37? I don't actually know. Um, (laughs) But I was, I think I was like in my, I was in my early 30s when we met and he's four years older. He just turned 40. Um, So yeah, we were just a little older and and I don't know, it was one of those relationships where pretty much from the get-go we were like, oh, we're in this. Um, which was great and, and very different to any other relationship I'd been in. And I think also that sort of had to happen because he is an academic and he was on the academic job market. So pretty quickly it was also like if he were to get a job somewhere, he would just go and I was either going with him or not going with him. Um, so we had to make that decision kind of early on. and Which is interesting because you had just gotten out of a really long relationship, right? Yeah. Or not just, but like your one right before him was really long. It was, yeah. I'd been in like... like seven an, years or something? Almost. Eight? Yeah, eight, eight years. Yeah, good memory. Um, yeah, I'd been in an eight-year relationship that had ended terribly and had actually tried to go to couples therapy with my partner at the time. Um and like I showed up and he didn't. And so I just kept going oh, to therapy wow. with that therapist. Um, she was amazing too. Um, but that's kind of, I think what I thought couples therapy was, was this like crisis moment thing that you went into when um, a relationship was really at a turning point and you needed somebody else to kind of help you or shepherd you through that. And I think that was also because I had never been in individual therapy and I didn't realize how much of it is just like, maintenance, like, like car maintenance, the kind of things that you do just like to tune up. Um, obviously it can be crisis management too, but, um, it can also be incredibly helpful and valuable as just like a regular check-in with yourself. So anyway, yeah, all of that is to say that I'm, I met my now husband. We moved pretty fast. We ended up moving to Boston cause he got a job here, which meant, I couldn't work for a while because we were Canadian. Uh, we are Canadian. <laughs> and I didn't have a visa. So we were like here in this new place. He was working. I wasn't. Everything had happened really quickly. There was kind of like a pressure cooker and like things just were not great between us. I remember when you were not working, kind of, that was a struggle for you. Oh, it was awful. It was awful. I felt really um, at sea and it was hard to figure out like what I was bringing to the table as a person. If I didn't have work, my work, especially as a freelancer, um, which, and as a freelance pseudo artist, I guess, like your creative product is like both personal and emotionally, um, like it's, it's derived from a really personal emotional place, but then it's also what is supposed to be paying the bills. So a lot of value gets loaded onto that and, not being able to do that work was really hard, especially being in a new place. Cause you meet people and they're like, Oh, hi, I'm so-and-so I'm a da da da. What do you do? And you're like, nothing. <laughs> right. So we were just, yeah, we were just like kind of in a pressure cooker and we were fighting a lot and fighting really unproductively. And that was the big thing for us was not like, it was never a question. At least I don't think it was ever a question of, are we going to stay together it was like, are we going to stay together and keep having these really shitty fights? Or 
is there a way that we can fight more productively, be kinder to each other, and just like make our day-to-day lives less difficult, really? Can I can I ask like even just like in general terms, yeah. like what was that fight you guys kept having? There wasn't one particular fight. It was more the style of fighting. We fought okay. very differently. Mm-hmm. I am, this is going to sound gendered in a way that I wish it didn't, but like I, I'm pretty emotional and fight emotionally. Um, I get worked up quickly and it comes from a place that is really intense and vulnerable. And Vic is emotional too, but he is also, he's a, a philosophy professor. And so he was, he spent like 20 years in school learning how to argue analytically, learning how to like take someone's (laughs) argument and like pick it apart until they are basically like a a worthless husk and have no leg to stand on. And that is how he and I would fight. So I would be super emotional and he would sort of close off and get very critical and just pick apart everything I was saying until there was nothing left. And it was just um, really unhelpful because we never, it would just make me more and more upset and he would retreat more and more. And rather than fighting to a place where, like I kept saying, like, we're on the same team. We need to be fighting to a resolution, not to like whose argument is better. But we hadn't figured out how to do that. It wasn't it wasn't something we were capable of doing yeah. um, as a couple. That sounds like, Avi and I have like a different flavor where I'm more the one who retreats. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't, I'm not a philosophy professor. So I'm, not like, <laughs> I'm not like picking apart his arguments, probably in the same way, but I'm definitely more, I'm like more sober mm-hmm. in a way mm-hmm. that I think can be frustrating or it's, it's kind of like, like I think I'm kind of, I, I refuse to sort of like be emotional about it. Yeah, and I mean... Sometimes that's, like, sometimes that's dishonest. Like, sometimes it is an emotional situation. So I think um, it's that can be hard. Like, I, I feel like I'm a little bit... Like, I don't have access to my anger. Mm. Like, I don't... Mm-hmm. I'm not a very angry person. Mm-hmm. I don't get angry. I get very annoyed. Interesting. But I don't get angry. Like, I never get angry. So when he gets angry... I'm very like, ah, because like we didn't have anger. Like we didn't have like our, my house growing up was like very conflict diverse or it was, or it was very like, don't, you can't talk back to your parents. Like I never yelled at my parents. Yeah. Yeah. There was no yelling. My parents never fought. Like it yeah. was just, that was not part of my life. So I'm very like, <gasps> when there's any like conflict like that. Yeah. So anyway, sounds like, a, I guess an alternative universe version of your guys'. Yeah. Life. Well, I think the, I mean, I don't know if this is necessarily true in your relationship, but for me, a lack of emotional response always feels like the person doesn't care, which is, Mm. which is hard when you're in a relationship and you're like, but this is really important. And it's not, I don't think it is. Well, I've learned that it is not that Vic doesn't care. It's just that he's engaging differently. Right. Um, But yeah, it feels like a lack of investment to me when the person is not like emotionally wrought up. Interesting. So that is something that, yeah, that we ran into. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. For us, it's more that I'm just like, I'm too sensitive to conflict. Mm, He's like, okay, mm -hmm. this isn't even that much conflict. Like, (laughs) you know what I mean? Or like, you know, families who just like, they blow up and then they're like, let's go get a beer or whatever. Like that was not my family. No, no. So I'm like, mine wasn't that either. I'm definitely, I don't like yelling. I don't like anger, but I do get very, it's a, emotional. It's like such a weird, it's a non-word kind of now, the more that I say it, but it's just, I have a lot of feeling. There's a lot of feeling that gets expressed in various <laughs> yes, ways. Yes, yes, yes. More hyperbolic. It's yeah. so much, I mean, I feel like this is the thing. It's like everybody comes from a different background, different totally. different triggers. I think, like, you trigger each other without meaning to, you know? It's like, yes. you know, me withdrawing, like, maybe reminds him of, like, his parents withdrawing from his yeah. emotions yeah, yeah, yeah. or, like, you know, him being angry reminds me of, like, getting in trouble or, like, whatever. It's, like, so silly and, like, it sounds like corny therapy speak but it's really true I mean, it's like, true the dynamics everyone brings their whole past with them into these relationships and like it takes a lot of untangling to be like I mean obviously I notice this all the time where like we'll get in like we don't really get in like blowout fights or anything it's more like what just happened like mm, mm-hmm. what just happened and then like we'll unpack it and we'll realize like the last like 
four things each of us said was like so like well I said that because I was thinking that you were doing this and like there's yes. so much yeah. it's like it expands the more you like unpack what just happened yeah yeah and it's like if you're not doing that like it's just really I can I can see how like shit would just get crazy built up over time yeah crazy. totally totally yeah so one thing I was thinking about is therapy is supposed to be this sort of, you can say absolutely anything. I mean, at least in an, in an individual setting. Yeah. Apart from, like, violent crimes. Right. <laughs> um, not that everybody treats therapy that way, but I do think that's, like, the ideal. I, th- I, I imagine that that would get complicated in a couple setting because there's probably things about your partner that maybe you're not sure if, like, sharing that is a violation of their privacy mm, or like, do you mm-hmm. guys, does that line exist for you where you're like, well, maybe we wouldn't talk about that. Or is it just like anybody says anything they want? It probably should exist for us. <laughs> I think like <laughs> ideally, um, Vic would prefer <laughs> a more firm line. Um, <laughs> really? I think I'm, is he a little less forthcoming? He is. Yeah. Um, even before, <laughs> before this, call he was like kind of offhand like you know just don't talk about us and I was like wait no I I have to talk about us and he was like no I'm joking (laughs) but I realized that I hadn't even asked him like I had it didn't even occur to me to be like I'm going to do a public facing podcast to talk openly about us being in therapy is that okay with you didn't even cross my mind um (laughs) which like I think you know he's kind of he knows the deal by now um considering a lot of my work is like that. If it's any consolation, you have to pay to listen to this podcast. Perfect. One thing that I think surprised me about couples therapy, she kind of, on the show, Orna, Orna's her name, right? Orna. Orna. Orna says something about this as well, that like people come to her with certain expectations, certain like ideas, and and her job is to disrupt that, to disrupt the narrative um, and to force them to kind of to question what they were doing. And I think in individual therapy, at least, I've always felt like the therapist was on my side. Like I've mm. always felt like my therapists have kind of had my back. It's not that they won't make you sort of question your behavior or think about why you're doing certain things, but I've never been like, oh, and this annoying thing happened and them say, actually, I think the other person was right in that situation. And <laughs> you were the one who was really fucked up. Oh my God, that's so interesting. I never thought of that. That's so true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And in couples therapy, I sort of thought of it, I thought that it was going to be a similar situation or I thought that they were going to be more of like a referee um, where you would go and say like, look, here's the argument. Here's my side. Here's his side. You tell us which side is right. And she has never done that. Our therapist, Abby, who I who we love. She's never been like, okay, I'm siding with Vic on this one or like thrown a a yellow card or something. It's always um, asking questions and sort of forcing us to each interrogate why we think we're right or forcing us to ask why the other person might think they're right. Um, So even when we really want her, or at least I'll speak for myself, there are times where I go in and I'm like, this is cut and dry. He's in the wrong. She's going to she's going to back me up. She'll be like, hmm, well, Megan, why do you think Victor said that? Or why do you think? And I'm like, no, (laughs) just, just like lay down the law. He's the bad guy. I'm the good one. She never does that. She never takes sides. And that was really shocking to me because I assumed that there would be an element of that in couples therapy. And, you know, maybe there is in situations that are much more extreme than ours, but really what she's doing is constantly saying like, can we look at this from the other person's point of view? Or can, can we ask questions that will help us understand why the other person behaved the way they did? Right, right. Because saying it's right or wrong, like, it's not that useful, ultimately. No. I mean, it would be to me in terms of, like, it my internal scorecard. To you, but it wouldn't be yeah. useful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. D- there's a difference, unfortunately. Yeah. Um... Oh my god, yeah, I can imagine. I mean, I definitely sense that in the show. Like, everybody comes in kind of thinking they're right. Yes, totally. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that what she's doing in the show really brilliantly is just, like, she's forcing this kind of endless curiosity about your partner, and that has also been, like, my biggest takeaway from couples therapy is, like, 
you never know what is actually going on as much as well as you might know somebody you have you have your own narrative of the way that they're behaving and why they're behaving that way and it is never entirely right or you never have the whole story um and you just have to constantly question and wonder and be curious about your partner and their motivations like I might think I know why he's done something the way he has and then Abby will ask a question and he comes out with this other story that's like oh there are so many more layers underneath your behavior that I don't know about yet which is silly right because like there are so many layers underneath my behavior I mean I think it sort of speaks to like how we're all such narcissists really in the end that like I think that everything I do is like layered and complex and nuanced and that Vic's just being lazy or like, you know, like there's just like an easy (laughs) explanation for why he's doing what he's doing. Um, and it's not, it's never that it's, it's always like so much more layered. That's yeah. I mean, that's, that's what I discover. I mean, Avi and I are, it's hard to say like, what's our age versus like, what's different about our relationship, but Mm. We're just, like, wildly more communicative than I was in my last relationships. And that's not to say that, like, we didn't talk a lot in my last relationships. But I don't think, I just don't think I had the tools, really, to be, like, radically honest or... Yeah. I don't know. I think as I got older, I realized what a big spectrum there was. That, like, honesty wasn't a binary. There was, like... Or communication wasn't a binary. Like, there is a way further you can go. Yes. Yeah, totally. The more we communicate, I think, like, the more complex things can seem at times like it's also can be really clarifying but yeah I mean like I said you could just unpack like a single interaction just like a five second interaction and just like unravel like an entire past yeah and it's really fascinating I think it's good it's good to think about like being curious about your partner Mm -hmm. I think that's like it seems like a really healthy way to think about it I'm curious like in terms of you know, maybe related to that, like, fight you guys were getting in in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Or maybe another problem, like, is there any time you can you can think of that you can share where you guys had sort of, like, a breakthrough of, like, changing how you did something? Of, like, it doesn't have to be, like, an easy, one easy trick, but, like, even if it's some bit of advice that really stuck with you that you guys lean on a lot since you started going to therapy. I mean, this is, this one's hard because it's very, um, specific. <laughs> it involves being in therapy, but, like, for us, one of the biggest things is just when we sense a fight taking on a life of its own or like getting out of control, we play the Abby card. Like one of us is just like, okay, this is not, we need to take this to Abby. Like we just like flag it as a like, (laughs) oh my God, this needs Abby's attention. And I I mean, I do think that that can work even if you're not in therapy. There has to be, I I think it involves like a a certain amount of self-awareness. Um, and the ability to recognize when you're no longer fighting fair or no longer being productive, maybe. Yeah, exactly. Being productive and saying like, we're, we're going to table this. And for us, that has been huge. First of all, to know that there is a place that like, these things are not just going to be like, not talked about. It's not like, okay, we're not getting anywhere. Let's sweep it under the rug and let it fester there forever. We know that there is a space and a time where we are going to sit down and for an hour, we're going to focus on our relationship and our marriage, which feels like a real, I mean, it feels like a gift, honestly. It's like a really generous thing that we give ourselves um, and give our relationship and a way to kind of honor our relationship. But it also is a way of saying like, we're going to hold ourselves accountable and not allow this to be something that just like grows and, and we get bitter or, and we're not going to fight this tooth and nail in a really unproductive and unhealthy way. Yeah. So like if we are not capable of working this out ourselves in this moment, and if we're not getting anywhere, we are just like, this is clearly an Abby discussion. Yeah. <laughs> and then we know that next time we have therapy, we'll talk about that with Abby. And by that point, we're like much less worked up, um, much more able to like see things clearly, to be patient with the other person and much more likely to find some kind of resolution. Yeah. I wonder, so like, I mean, I'm kind of imagining people listening who like maybe don't have access to couples therapy. Yeah. Like an easy um, analog might be having a regular time set aside where you reflect. I mean, Avi and I have talked about how we do sort of like monthly relationship check-ins. Yeah. So maybe it's sort of, the benefit could be two parts. It could be not only do we recognize that we have a specific special time where we can discuss this, but also you'll be more calm when you do it because it's at like a later time which I think yeah 
we tend to overestimate our ability to like sort something out in the moment. Yeah, when totally. really like time helps. But but are there any others? Like, let's say you guys stopped therapy tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, can you think about like ways that you guys um, maybe it's fight differently or behave differently? That's like a, a pretty clear change from before you went to therapy. That's a result of working on your relationship. I would say the. Yeah, I sort of, I mentioned this earlier, this idea of like fighting towards resolution and being on the same team. Mm -hmm. That has been a big change. Like we used to each fight to win, I think. And now we have a lot more commitment to, I guess, like commitment to and like conviction about our, our, our entity as a couple. Um, and like the couple self as separate from just like, Vic and Megan, there is this like sort of like living, breathing thing that is you two as a couple and and now like us two and our child. Um, And that like the success of that, of that being is as, is more important to us than like winning any individual fight. And so therapy is definitely like, yeah, I mean, that's big. Yeah. It's definitely given us the tools to like facilitate that. Um, but just making that decision together and like committing to that decision, committing to like, if we're going to fight about something, it's going to be towards the idea of like coming to some kind of solution that betters our, our relationship. Um, and not because we each really want to win. Yeah. I mean, we do still each really want to win probably, but like, (laughs) we're also able to step back from that a little bit and, and think about the bigger picture. It really requires humility, I feel like, to be in a relationship. It's, like, it's a lot of... It's funny. Avi and I were saying, like, 75% of a relationship is just, like, being, like, "Mm mm-hmm, interesting, when someone's, like, my back hurts. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Or, like... Hmm, I finished all my emails and you're like, oh, okay, like, great. Yeah. <laughs> Just sort of like that, coming up with little, coming up with little replies to like completely inconsequential things that like half of it is just like investing in someone else's minutia, which is just like, that takes a lot of just commitment to someone else. Yeah, it does. But then like, there's also just a lot of humility and like, you know, kind of meeting someone halfway. It's a lot of looking at what, like, you know, we're also stuck in our ways that I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's easy to see how you're right. You understand your motives and, like, your perceptions. But a lot of times, having another person, like, see inside so much, like, can only reveal the cracks. Yeah. (laughs) So you have to, you you can't run away from them. Or, yeah, or you're just going to, like, fight to win and not connect at all. Yeah, absolutely. What's your mood after? Is it always, like, I feel lighter? Or have you guys ever gotten in, like, fights after the therapy yeah it's been both <laughs> there's definitely there have been a few times where we've well now it's on telehealth so where we've like hung up and been like well that sucked like not because oh. she did anything wrong but like because things got brought up that we couldn't resolve and so then oh we're both God, kind of like festering it's the worst it's the worst <laughs> It sucks with individual therapy when that happens, and I feel like it would be so much worse with couples therapy. Yeah, because then you're <laughs> both just sitting there staring at each other like, Ugh. <laughs> that doesn't feel good at all. One thing that we did do early on, and actually it was Vic who decided this, was like that he wanted to spend time together after therapy, like that he wanted to make sure that one of us wasn't going off to do something else. Um, That's nice. Yeah, it is nice because I think a lot of the time, especially early on, like a lot of stuff would come up and we were both in really like, you know, kind of like turtles without their shells or something. And and it was nice to like be with the other person and kind of feel protected and and safe. Um, And I would say the majority of the time we're usually like much closer after therapy ends, much more like, you know, we usually have our moment of like, I love you so much. No, I love you so much. (laughs) Like the kind of (laughs) like gross like oh but you've just seen like someone's underbelly a little bit and that does bring you closer um so that is generally our mood the times when it when things get brought up that we don't get to resolve that that is that is super shitty yeah yeah um my last question was going to be like what um advice might you have to couples although I think we have kind of already gone through it but um yeah but yeah I guess I'm curious to to couples who, um, who who don't have access to therapy, do you have any do you have any advice to pass on? 
you know, I, I think just the things that we've already talked about in terms of like, if you, if you have the ability to set time aside to do these kind of relationship check-ins, that's huge. Even if you can't do them with a neutral third party, doing them just together. Um, and if you're also able to say like, even just, you know, you can even keep a list. Like it, if you find yourself fighting about the same thing or in a really unproductive fight, like having kind of a, if you don't have an Abbey, you can pick another card and just like lay the card down and be like, this is where we time out. Um, and then adding that thing to the list of what you're going to talk about. And, and some of it won't, I probably like, some of it won't even make sense. There's a lot of times where Vic and I get together with Abby and we're like, okay, we want to talk about this fight we had last week. And then both of us were like, what were we fighting? No idea. And no clue. We have no memory of what the fight was about. Like it was super intense in the moment. And then a week later we're like, oh, <laughs> clearly it wasn't that that's, important. That's so true. It's so funny how that happens where it's like, sometimes it's really worth like, un- keep going, like unpack it. And other times you're like, yeah. you know what? I don't even know what the fuck this is. Let's just like yeah. go watch a movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So maybe like don't write it down. I don't know. Because then it's like that you get remembered. You're like, oh yeah, I was pissed about that thing. I'm like, who cares? <laughs> no, I think it's a balance. It's a balance. It's like, this is always, I mean, this is like literally where every conversation I'm in lands on, which is like neither extreme, somewhere in between. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's always it. I mean, I think that I thought the show was really, was super interesting um, and really compelling. But, and I think like the same way that the, that Esther Prell's podcast is like, they're, they're intentionally choosing couples who are like at a moment of crisis or who have like a pretty volatile dynamic. And I guess like my biggest piece of advice or takeaway is that like, that's not what therapy needs to be. Couples therapy that like maintenance, like regular trim for your hair couple's hair like do you know what I mean like you don't (laughs) you don't have to go to the hairdresser to like get a buzz cut you can just like go and get a healthy trim to keep your hair healthy like that is for me the most valuable thing about therapy is just like the regular maintenance the regular check-in right and like if you're committed to being with someone that time is absolutely worth it and and valuable and yeah you just you you do not need to be in a moment of crisis as good television as that makes your relationship can be like very healthy and you can be very happy as a couple and you will still benefit from couples therapy because like it just like any individual will always benefit from individual therapy if if you have access to it if it's affordable if you're able to yeah or talking to third parties even yeah like finding ways to disrupt whatever narrative you have because like we're all telling ourselves so many stories all the time totally ourselves to think that we see things clearly always Mm -hmm. and um i'm really a fan of i know that like you know, I, I think it's important to be able to talk to your friends about things. Like, don't be afraid, in my opinion, don't be afraid to, yeah, quote unquote, like, air your dirty laundry. Not that I'm, like, throwing throwing my partner under the bus to my friends or anything like that. Like, I try to respect his and our privacy. But at the same time, I think it's really important to have other people to lean on. Like, yeah. I think the kind of, like, pseudo-privacy, like, this never gets, yeah. never talk to anybody about anything is, like, I don't think that that's very healthy. Like, there, you need some, like, air and, totally. like, other perspectives sometimes. Yeah, if you can talk to, like, somebody who... Talk to a friend who you know will give you an actual objective opinion. Um, or try, like, explaining your partner's point of view to your friend. Like, do that at thought experiment. Because getting inside their head, like, that's what therapy allows you to do in couples therapy. Yeah, yeah. For yeah. me, that's usually what it is. It's like, I'm, I think about it this way, he thinks about it this way, and, like... Do you have that with your partner? Like that, yes, you know, yeah, just sort of like totally. seeing what other people have. I feel like when I was younger, I used to have this fear of like, if I ever like told my friends that I was doubting things or like we were, we had a fight about something that it would, that like somehow they would look down on our relationship. Yeah. I think that that's, I think like the, the right friends and good friends, I try to extend this to my friends as well, but I'm like, you can say that this person did the most idiotic thing and I will still like them and yeah. like, I'll still support your decision to be with them, you know. Within, within reason. Within reason, like, yeah. <laughs> within reason, so. But I think it's important to have those relationships and to, like, not be afraid to show your whole self in terms of, like, yeah, the nature of it. Which, which is why I'm grateful that you came on the podcast today. 
I'm told super me happy to be jobs. here. Yeah, I'm happy to air my dirty laundry. Like, sorry, Vic, but yeah, anyone can ask me anything about couples therapy. <laughs> no, I love it. I'm so glad. I love that you're a such a champion for it. I am. I've never tried it myself, but I'm definitely really curious. I feel like um, I would love to just like have an ad. I mean, I love therapy. And yeah. And I'm like, even when I'm kind of in a relatively good place, I still get something out of it. So I think... Yeah. I don't have a good reason except for it just being expensive, but it can maybe one day we'll, we'll get going. So, but thank you for so Thank you so much for sharing. I'm so happy I got to see you. It was really nice to see you. Thank you so much for listening today. That's it for couples therapy. If you haven't seen the show, highly recommend. I had to like sign up for a trial of Showtime and like watch it really fast before my trial ran out. So, you know, if you don't want to pay for Showtime, there's a little hack for you. And thank you so much to Kiara for coming on and to Megan. I'm so grateful for both of you for listening to this. And thank you to Soft Street for my theme music. Thank you to you for listening. I will be back next week. So I hope you have a nice week. Bye.